FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast that goes snicked. For Resurrection Week 2, I'm your host, Jason Venable, and joining us once again from the Intracomics podcast is our Resurrection expert, Dan Cole. Hey, Dan. Hey, I, I just realized you, you're saying Resurrection in a specific, like, it sounds like, I feel like I have to spell it out to my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like one of those moments where you have to say it phonetically. Right, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> even though Marvel decided not to put it on the covers, you know, I'm trying to trying to honor the uh, the resurrection spelling that they they were promoting before the books I, came out. I must say that I think um, on each cover, and we're going to talk about the covers, but on each cover there's like a triangle of white, which is the number in the creative team. Yes. I think in this, there's like a big space of negative space. If they just did in like a diagonal line, resurrection, yeah, like a, that would have worked. That would have been perfect because there's this like big white negative space. <laughs> yeah. And if you just put resurrection, it would have just been a little banner. It would have been really bad. Yeah. It you know it would have worked. It would have worked probably. well. Would have worked fine. I agree. So uh, this week in resurrection, we have two comics to talk about. We have two number ones, of course. We have Weapon X number one and X-Men Blue number one. And um, I wasn't sure if we were going to really, I mean, not that we wouldn't, we would have mentioned it regardless. I wasn't sure if like, we're going to officially talk about X-Men Blue on the podcast. But, you know, we'll get to, to why, you know, when we get there. But um, we're going to focus on Weapon X first. Uh, number one, the new new Weapon X team, new direction. Um Let's see. There's some credits in here somewhere. Here we go. All right. So this is written by Greg Pak. With are you saying Pak or Pack? I say I say I usually say Pack. I think. Okay, that works. <laughs> so Greg Pak. I'm trying to think of when I've said his name. <laughs> Park. It sounds better. Park is. It sounds better. But... Okay. Well. I, See, I wouldn't went pack, but pack sounds super Texan, and usually I try to <laughs> steer away from being too geographical. But um, anyway, well, I don't know. He's a good writer, so he's here. Um, penciled by Greg Land, so we have Greg and Greg. Uh, inked by Jay. Shh, listen. Colors by Frank Diamarta. Letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover is by Greg Land. Jay. Shh, listen. And Frank Diamarna. And of course, there's several variant covers. Um, do you have the main cover, Dan? Only the main cover for me. No yeah. variant covers are allowed in my house, it seems. <laughs> so on this, we have lots of claws. Just a whole lot of claws. We have a old man Logan for some reason biting his lip. I don't know if he's mad or um, something else. But um, he's got his claws out and... In the foreground, Lady Deathstrike has her massive claws out. And then, if you look between her claws, you can kind of see Sabretooth's little claws. Um, oh, yeah. And then Warpath's got his knives, and, of course, Domino has, has a 
submachine gun of some sort. And uh, they're all coming out of some blue light. And, um, yeah, they're all different sizes. Um, what do you think of this cover, Dan? It's better than X-Men Gold, that's for sure. <laughs> yes. Um, it's more dynamic. It definitely, like, sells sort of the threat factor of the team, I suppose. If you're going to call something we- Weapon X, you kind of have to be... Um, Here's some claws. Here's some angry people. <laughs> right. So we've got lots of like sort of gr- gritting of teeth and biting of lips. Yes. Not the women's lips, no. which is odd for Gre- <laughs> no. odd for Gre- Greg Land, to be fair. Not um, even a sexy warpath. It's, it's it's old man wrinkly Logan biting his lip, which <laughs> <laughs> you know for some reason makes me think about something about Mary, <laughs> but um. <laughs> Maybe he's holding his bottom jaw together. I don't know. He is very old. <laughs> you see him like, uh, was it in a Christmas story, Christmas tale, where they, back, back in the old days, they used to wrap the dead people so their jaws would stay shut? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you should have that. Well, much like, much like X-Men Gold, my eye is immediately drawn to the, I don't want to call it a box, but the little team box shot by, um, uh, Kirkland, Kirkland, Kirk, no, Leonard Kirk. Leonard there Kirk. we go. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the top right corner, I quite like it. Uh, I thought that's quite a nice little yeah shot of the team charging into a into a place. Yes. And I've just uh, it's, and it has just sinked in that this will be Sabretooth's costume now forever and ever and ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably so. At least for a while. Um, yeah, I will say also I prefer this jacket on Old Man Logan to the. Uh, the trench coat he was wearing over an X-Men gold. He had uh, no style. Now he yeah. has style. That's yep. for sure. <laughs> so Cool. Well, so, unfortunately, um, well, unfortunately, unfortunately, I guess, however you want to look at it, um, no Domino or Warpath really in this book to speak of. They get mentioned. But we start off with Old Man Logan enjoying a little nature hike. And some light drizzling, and he's he's sitting with some deer, and one of the deer gets rustled and shocked, and we have a, a little couple show up, and they're backpacking, and they're lost, and old man Logan gets really Asian looking. Um, <laughs> they both do, to be fair, at the bottom of of that page. Yeah, yeah, he looks like weird. yeah, he looks like he's gonna sell you a mogwai. Um, but yeah this couple's lost and old man Logan is a nice old man and he tells them where to go and what to do and as they walk off we get a snicked I was like whoa why didn't why didn't he pop his claws but it's not him what do you <laughs> that panel is kind of hilarious I thought where we get a snicked and old man Logan makes this crazy old man face his face is astonishing and he looks like an old leprechaun, the way his hair is. You know, because people... Like robbed his gold. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. You know, because a lot of people with the Old Man Logan design have kind of shied away from classic Wolverine hair. And he's just kind of had like a buzz cut or a flat top. Well, this one is kind of like his hair is starting to grow out, so he's got like baby fins. But he does look <laughs> very like, like leprechaun-y. Um... But it's not terrible. It's just kind of funny. Um, so what is this snick? If it's not if it's not old man Logan's claws, who is it? 
Well, it's some. Well, lo and behold, the random travellers are actually like murder bots, essentially, <laughs> which uh, transform with Kirby Crackle, may I add? Yeah. Um, which I thought was a nice touch. And rip off all their skin and use giant, like, blades to. Um, the male version use a giant blade to stab him through the chest, which, you know, it's got to hurt. Clearly does hurt. Yeah. And they transform like Transformers. Um, and basically turn into Terminators with Lady Deathstrike hands. Yeah. Is essentially what they are. Yeah, pretty much. Um, of course, the uh, the lady one keeps her face and the, the boy turns into a skull, you know. Because reasons. Yeah. And you had mentioned <laughs> before we started recording this in our general conversation that I guess in order to, te- to keep the disguise up, they were both wearing kind of padded jackets. I don't really know why it mattered. But, or maybe just, uh, I don't know, maybe these were, were, I don't know. But for whatever reason, the female robot has uh, metal boobs. Um, not really sure why why that's important. But um, Greg Land wanted to make sure to get those in there. <laughs> he, loves, he loves them. Yeah. He loves them. He does, he does. So they kind of go to town on Old Man Logan. Um Kind of a, a couple of brutal scenes. We get a cool uh, scene of him jumping out of the way and some claws, and he runs kind of down the river and jumps off a waterfall. That's actually a pretty cool panel. Um, he looks kind of like uh, I was. Which one was on? Um, oh, I was going to sleep. One of the Jason Statham movies was on, and he jumped off a boat, and it looked like this scene. <laughs> Because <laughs> like super cut. He's got like ripply back muscles as he's jumping off here. And um, what does he do when he falls in the water, Dan? How does he trick the the robots? Well, at first I thought he just got mad, but um, he decides that the best course of action is to chop a piece of him off and like just let himself bleed as he escapes and the water just turns red and. It does fool them for. It does literally fool them completely. Actually, I just realised that they don't ever after him again right. um, they find his piece of flesh his pound of flesh and um, <laughs> that's it he's gone yeah and so so whatever's going on here these um, these are not like sentinel type murder bots right like they don't talk in zeros and ones or bzzz, like like they have very kind of human emotions like they're like he's down there mutant I mean, the only kind, that, the only time they kind of go like super robotic in their vocabulary is when they're like "die." <laughs> 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 but even the robot even curses when they lose them. They're like "damn it," <laughs> which I thought was funny. So it's not your typical um, X Men kind of robot sounding robots. Like they sound very, very human, and so you're kind of left wondering, well, are what were they first? Like, are they? Robots with human elements? Are they humans that were turned into robots? Like, there's obviously something going on here. And we can guess, just based on what book we're in, that the Weapon X program will have something to do with it. And we'll kind of find that out as we go. But when Old Man Logan, in a very, actually visually striking page, stumbles into a little cave, really like the colors here, um, kind of the blues and the grays and the blacks, as he kind of stumbles and falls in a pool of water and starts having these memory flashbacks of the Weapon X program. They are very pretty. I, 
it's kind of weird because like usually I'm just thinking of Land's art and I just think of specific things, but I forget that sometimes when he when he tries, he can like throw out a decent panel. Like the Weapon X panel of him in the water is actually oh, quite fantastic. Of his astonishing hair, as must must say. I wish I could get my hair to whatever the hell whatever the hell Logan uses on his hair. Yeah. Is, um, that's best. called uh, this is we... that's called Barry Windsor Smith Joe. <laughs> And and this is this is where we find out because Logan's narrating the book. Um, this is where we find out that those things that attacked him were also made of antimantium. Oh yeah. Which like yeah, yeah. claws. And then from there he's just chilling in in his little pool in the cave, and he's seeing the other people who have gone through the Weapon X process. Though I must admit, this is where I was like, "Oh, Land, you can't help yourself, can you?" His, With um, his X twenty three is terrible. It's actually is disgusting, um, for want of a better word. Right. Um, and but at least the, the visuals are sort of identical. Wolverine, Sabretooth, and X twenty three have um, white pupils and black eyes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Starts on the cover, and any time they get too far away, that's how they look. Pretty much, um, and um, he, he seemed he seemed alright, chilling, thinking, and then all yeah. of a sudden, whisked away. To uh, more naked ladiness, right? Um, in tanks, basically. You know, I, I this was very confusing to me from a Greg Land perspective, because <laughs> obviously, like we have a naked um, death strike and test two, like being tested on again, but you really don't see any boobage, right? Which nope. is which is weird. And her ass is pretty obscured, like very kind of uncharacteristically, um, you know, is very tame for for Greg Land, I thought. Um, and it kind of gets some point across that, you know, she's being tested on. I, I have, a, and we talked about this last time, I, I believe, and I still don't really have an answer. So, so, but we're explicitly told here that Death Strike has a healing factor, right? Um, and so apparently she, at least in current continuity is, is definitely a mutant, um, or had a healing factor augmented or like engineered somehow, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, she's supposed to be sedated, but she wakes up and also she's not supposed to be able to cut through this test tube. It's, um, what did she say? Um... Oh, it's vibranium glass, so she can't cut it. But she's able to scratch it, and what does, what does she do when she scratches it? <laughs> she scratches very, very bizarrely, almost as if it was written by someone else in a comic book. Um, kill you <laughs> all. Because they don't look like scratches. At first, they look, and that panel where she first starts, that looks like a scratch, or it could be a scratch. Right. If you know what I mean. And then it just totally doesn't look like she scratched that in there. But um, she's basically going to kill these people yeah. with their like bags on their heads. They look like um, AIM for a minute, and then they don't. But in that one panel, yeah. they look very aim I like the way the, the guy's like, well, that's cheery. <laughs> uh, I, do, I do like the fact that they didn't want her. Like she's just the one, the first of of a few, right? Um, as as they bring a Logan box with of Logan's pound of flesh to be put in a Logan tube, yep. which is next to a Domino Warpath saber saber tooth tube. Right. And I'm I'm sat there thinking to myself, right? Okay, 
if it's about healing factors, then if this lady Deathstrike make this lady Deathstrike sort of makes sense because she has a healing factor now. Um, Logan makes sense. Sabretooth makes sense. Uh, Warpath maybe stretching it a little bit, but yeah. Domino? Why? Why is she even? Unless you want to harvest luck, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll take Domino over long shot any day of the week. <laughs> so, and those are our two choices. <laughs> but. And then, and yeah, and then f- from this really random, this is this is the science, mad science bit. We're now we're now into the library. Yeah, where Logan has a standoff with another old man. So they have an old man off. Um, about who's hogging the internet on the uh, library computers. <laughs> it's just such a... It feels like a Greg Pak scene, if you know what I mean. Right. It feels very of him. I love the guy's ears, I must admit. <laughs> they are just fantastic. Because um, Lan's... Uh, the one thing I've uh, that surprised me most is that Lan's actually... Sort of like... When I first saw Greg Lan's art, I think it was... Oh my God... Phoenix War Song or End Song or something. Okay. Yeah. Long, 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 long time ago, and I was like, "Wow, this stuff is good." Yes. Right. Uh, he's got and, talent, um, no doubt about it. Very talented. And then you, yeah, and then you realize he's just. Tra- then you realize through his career, he's just been tracing stuff. <laughs> and then his women, and no, because at first his women were were sexy, but not like super sexualized, like he like he made them into, right. whether while biting their fingers and lips and whatever and then then i'm looking at this book and i'm like has someone told him to like turn it down a notch maybe so or maybe he just kind of i don't know it's possible right then maybe he's and you know i'm always curious and maybe you can get some thoughts on this too dan you know i wonder because there's some guys that obviously just don't care like you're um and not to, not to, you know, bag on anybody, but like your Frank Cho, just unabashedly, this is what I'm going to draw. This is what I want to draw. Um, I know it's not for everybody, but some people like it, and I'm going to keep doing it. And, you know, if you don't like it, fine. Don't worry about it. Um, but I wonder, you know, there's got to be some artist who came up in a certain time period, right, who realized that the best way to get work was to draw a certain way. And then comics... You know, for the for by and large, kind of the general tone of what people want to see has shifted, right? And some people adapted to that very quickly, and some people kind of got left behind. And you know, you know, they say in entertainment, in any kind of entertainment, don't read your own reviews, right? But I wonder if, like, this was editorial, or maybe Greg Lang kind of read some of his own reviews and like. Oh, people are really bagging on all my boobs and, and butts. Maybe I should, you know, adjust so I can, you know, keep people will keep liking me. I don't know. Like, I wonder how much of it was like editorial, how much it was a personal decision to kind of adjust his art to kind of the climate in comics right now, or how much of it was just he just didn't feel like he had any of that to draw in this story. I mean, maybe next issue it'll be all boobs. I don't know. But, um... <laughs> <laughs> I just I do I do definitely agree with you. I find it very interesting that that there does seem to be and not that it's like I mean if you picked up this book you wouldn't be like, Oh, well here's a place where there should have been some but if you're familiar like we are with Greg Land, there is a noticeable difference 
and what he's doing with the art. And yeah, I'm, like you, I'm very curious and kind of maybe what sparked that. Do you have any any ideas? Have you read any interviews or anything? Or not, not really. It just feels like um, his art feels like it's evolved slightly. Yeah. From his last, he was only working on a book like a couple of months ago, but it feels totally different. It's really hard to like pin it down. Maybe it's just the tone of the book or the fact that Logan is the main character or but like, there was there was moments where you could in some of his other X books where you could just go wait a second this panel here is the exact same panel just reversed from the panel four pages ago <laughs> right you know and I know he can churn out a book but maybe he's been given a lot of leeway or maybe he's just decided to you know um, do a little bit more or maybe we've never seen these character designs from him before you yeah. know what I mean because like right. They still have some of the looks. Like, there's some panels. There's a panel after the library uh, where Wolverine, as we move on from the library, Wolverine is on a motorbike, which is really a really nice panel of him on a yes, motorbike. Yes, it is. Um, and on the bottom of the page, he's looking around, finding some scratch marks. And that face there, where he's, like, looking to the side, is, like, classic land, basically, where land would take that specific face, male face, let him look into the side, and he would just add details. This is, you know, like, um, this is Logan. And I would, he would um, maybe put a visor on it and be like, this is Cyclops, or this is so-and-so. Like, that is a classic sort of land look. Yet some of the other stuff is really not his usual wheelhouse, which I, I kind of, I'm glad, because he has got talent. And if he can just sort of not, if he is just stopping or maybe, like, pulling back from just showing ass and tits all the time or, or just maybe doing a little bit more than just tracing um, then I'm all for it and, and the book will be stronger for it because it, right. at the moment it has a very strong visual presence yes. Our, compared to um, uh, some of the other launches not the Resurrection launches but some of the other titles Marvel has launched um, this has got a, a, like the other two X books they, it has a very distinct visual identity right um, it is because it's land, but also it has a very like distinct tone, and a lot of that will be done with the colouring and inking. But I actually quite liked it visually, and I'm not usually I'm like ugh. Land. Obviously, Laura is the exception. The picture right, of Laura right. is the exception, <laughs> but that's one. No, but that's the thing. That's one. Anyone familiar with his work will know that you don't get away with at least six of them <laughs> in a book. Right. You know, so, so just having one is quite a, a big feat. And even um, Domino on the front of the book isn't overly sexualized. No, not at all. I mean, and, and Death and Death Death Strike is sexualized in the way that she kind of is anyway. Like she is quite like femme fatale anyway right. that she always has been. Um, well, so I think, I think to, that's like, the difference. Like. Uh, when you're drawing the X-Men, right, or any book with a varied cast of characters, you, know, you should be drawing Emma Frost and Jubilee looking very different. It's when those characters look the same is when you have a problem, right? So it's not the fact that there can't ever be any sexual characters. It's when everybody is that way is, is kind of when you say, well, this is not a storytelling technique in the art. It's just, you know... And that's what land was like. Right. Um, well, that, yeah. that is what land is like. Um, it remains to be seen, like you said, issue two, it could just have everyone um, 
like it usually is. But I'm I'm hopefully optimistic. Yeah. But um, on on because something he's, this book has got some great panels in it. I'm, I'm not gonna deny that all. Um, but here we are anyway with Logan hunting down a specific person who also has claws. It would seem. Yeah. And he goes, attacks ah, bears. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, you know, you can't, you cannot see Wolverine and a bear and not think about the original miniseries, or even, I guess, you know, the Wolverine movie to a degree, but um, specifically the the Claremont Miller series where the big scene where he fights the bear and he's like, all right, I got you. We get a nice double snicked as he approaches the cabin in the woods. And he gets attacked by his old buddy. The rabid, um, now long-haired, Sabretooth. Yeah. Like, how far, how, when was this book, when is this book set? May, I, may I'm not sure. Enough time, I'm not sure. Enough time for Sabretooth to have a full-on hair, hair sprout. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's grown a lot of hair. So the last time we saw Sabretooth, he um, was at the end of kind of the IVX story, right? And he and Monet were kind of just going to go off and do their own thing. I hope, not, you know, I don't really care necessarily, um, you know, what that, what they decided to do with that, you know, what, what Colin Bunn, I, I actually think there's a preview we'll talk about later that indicates where maybe she's going to end up. But I hope they don't completely ignore the fact that, like, they ran off together, right? And obviously now he's by himself. And you would hope that they could kind of use that and turn that into kind of like a pain point for Sabretooth. Like, whatever happened, like, she left him or she was he wasn't able to kind of, like, help her out with her brother because right now she's, like, possessed by her brother, right? And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I hope there's some exploration into where that relationship kind of broke because I think that can add a whole level to where Sabretooth is right now. But right now, he's just mad. And he's assuming that old man Logan is here to, to pick on him and to pick up their old rivalry. And, of course, Logan's like, no, not at all. I'm just here to talk. Which, apparently, if you smell people, you can find out if that's true or not. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I smell your intent. It was very nice, Dan, when you showed up. You, you smelled like you were ready to podcast. Uh, I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the odor I always have. Which smells like um, what? What does is, what is podcasting smell like? Um, beer and Fritos? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> but so Sabretooth has had an experience with the murder bots. And which I thought was quite well done. Because um, unlike Logan, who gets like athletic young hipsters to attack him um Sabretooth gets like he seems exact he seems tortured by the fact that it was uh, a child right it was to him and obviously this is not not your old Sabretooth who wouldn't give an absolute like wouldn't care if it was a kid or not right this right is, uh, this is still pussycat Sabretooth yeah um, as we like whenever to call that him. happened yeah <laughs> There were still, we're still post. I think this is the only change, right, that still exists from Axis <laughs> that I can think of. <laughs> is that? I don't. I don't well, yeah, because like, oh god, that was just a weird moment in time. But yes, <laughs> this is the only thing that exists apart from maybe 
Havoc isn't is still maybe possibly oh. slightly. Uh, I don't know. Is he still evil? Who knows? I don't know. He's he's like Two Face now, so I'm not sure what's going on. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he he opens up his little jacket like he's gonna flash Logan, and he's all all just cut up to to ribbons. Um, knitting himself back together with his healing factor. Um, they have a nice dry bowl of cereal. <laughs> As, as Logan makes his sales pitch, um, so Sabretooth is he seem biting? Well, he seems he seems um, unhappy that Logan's taken the last of his shillers. To be fair, um, <laughs> more, than, more, than, more than anything else in the world, right? But um, I must admit, this is. Uh, not only does uh, Pack do a good job of getting Logan to um, try and sell the book's premise um, to Sabretooth, he's also doing quite a well job to like give the whole idea a very human touch and uh, like sort of an emotive pivot for us all to like hook onto. And as we're all about to be like, hmm, what's going to happen? Um, and uh, Logan's being all, well, I made sure I was spotted by cameras and stuff and made sure that you know they'd find out where we were <laughs> and possibly to saw like <sighs> typical right and then right. boom explosions happen yeah and, we get a nice full page splash at the end with a nice snicked and so I, I guess you would call this this would not be a soft sell this is a hard sell <laughs> <laughs> kind, of, kind of forced Sabretooth to take action and, and the last line is so we teaming up for what <laughs> but um yeah so I, just, I, just, oh my God, I feel stupid I just noticed the two things in the background are not bad they're actually robot things that are flying towards them oh yeah 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 <laughs> I've only just noticed that <laughs> oh wow is Sabretooth still got antimantium claws as well it's really hard to. I'm not. I can't remember. Um, they haven't <laughs> talked about it in a while, but that doesn't mean they're not there. Um, Everyone has that. He now. definitely has. Um, I think Land kind of um, airs on the side of the movies anyway, because he kind of has the long hair from the first movie and the really thick black fingernail claws that were in the movie as well um, with Sabretooth. So. Yeah, but I really like the colors on this last page. The sky, particularly, just looks really nice. Like the sunset or sunrise, whichever side it is, it just looks really good. It is a really... It's just really... It's nicely colored, it's nicely inked, and lands kind of on point for most most of it. He manages to, like, really quite... The characters are quite emotive, which is... Like, I love Logan's little side look. Yeah. Where he's like, so I think I'll just wait a few minutes and then <laughs> the puzzled look on. It's, I think that, I think it's got quite. A, it's, it's telling its story quite well visually. Um, I kind of I kind of digged it. Um, and I'm you know the banter was kind of fun. I found I think I think they quite they work quite well together. Yeah, they've, well, always, I, they've always worked. Together, so. Yeah, when I I. I'm not going to say I've loved everything he's ever done, but I would consider myself a pretty big Greg Pak fan. Um, he's done a whole lot of stuff I've liked a whole lot. Um, you know, and kind of in recent, well, I guess he's done probably stuff since then as well, but particularly really felt like he, 
saved New 52 Superman with his Action Comics run. Kind of pulled yeah. that character out of whatever puddle of shit it got lost in <laughs> with, with New 52 and really kind of returned Superman to, me, to Superman status. And um, obviously he had some really great uh, Hulk stories in the past as well. Um, and just generally has, has been a, a pretty fantastic writer. So I was really curious to see kind of how he would deal with this book. I'm not, as far as I know, not familiar with him ever having any lengthy time with Wolverine or a Wolverine character. So we'll kind of see what he brings to that. But I really enjoyed this first story. Yeah, I think I think because um, um, any character that could, any any writer, sorry, who can make Hercules and a phenomenal character <laughs> right. to read deserves your attention. Um, that's for sure. Um, I, I just thought it was quite a sort of it 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 kind of caught me unawares because I wasn't really expecting anything from Weapon X at all. Not which is really bad because I should, you know I do actually like Greg Pak and that, but I was kind of like thinking. Well, the handful of characters that they've picked aren't particularly in, like my bucket list of who's who should be on an X Men team, and I'm only feeling like I'm <laughs> reading this just just for the sake of for the sake of it being a resurrection <laughs> title. And then lo, lo and behold, much like he did with the Storm title, or when he was writing um, Astonishing X Men, and he was the one who actually wrote X Men, um, the the Phoenix End Song with oh, okay. the first time all right and uh, you know and much of that like with storm which just sort of like slipped under my radar i was like oh, i'll just buy it because it's a storm book but then really like, ended up being like a really good book right um this is just sort of hit me in the face and went do you know what maybe you actually want to read about old man logan and <laughs> Sabretooth having like a buddy cop adventure trying to like save a bunch of other mutants <laughs> um and i thought it was a really um, solid start, like visually and the banter between the two of them is pretty decent. And I just kind of, um, it's something that I, I'm going to talk about is that um, I like the fact that Pack doesn't write him in any other way than just Logan. Right. Like he's not older man Logan. Right, or, exactly. Like he's not old man Logan or Logan tortured from another dimension. He's just Wolverine. Yes. He sounds like Wolverine, and which he, I think is the mistake that Lear made. I mean, Lemire, yeah, that he just—it was so like I'm too old for this shit all the time. Like, yeah, no, I agree with you completely. So Pat just kind of dismisses all that, really. Um, and I'm sure we'll make, we might see some of that come up in different plot points as we go. But for the most part, he's just saying this is this is Wolverine. He just looks a little different, <laughs> right? Because I think he, um, near the beginning in the fight where he's like, I need to get away from them because I'm not knitting together as quick as I once was. Right. Um, or something like, like healing. He's not, he doesn't mention it briefly, but it's in his speech. Like he's, he just sounds like Wolverine and it's been so long since I've, I've, I'm not, <laughs> everyone knows I'm not a massive Wolverine fan, but even I get, I'm, I kind of miss the idiot sometimes, you know? <laughs> And it, and it's kind of it's kind of refreshing to have him sound like Logan and right. to have like Sabretooth and Logan to have that kind of back and forth and to have Deathstroke sort of the potentials there if she is going to be slightly zany I think Pack will really pull her off 
you know, as like the sort of psychopathic member of the team. Right. I think he's. I think he's got the got the talent to really like go with those three characters alone. Let alone the other two members of the team that we haven't even seen yet. So, um, I'm actually on board, which I generally didn't think I'd <laughs> ever say about it. I was sat there going, out of all these books that I fancy, um, I think maybe Cable, uh, Weapon X, and I didn't have massively high hopes for X-Men Gold. I think those were the three worlds where I was like, I'm not massively sold on those things, because they felt so 90s. Right. That I was like, I don't think. And whereas X X Men Gold kind of didn't work for me, and we have yet to see what Cable has to offer. Um, Weapon X was just like, I'm here, I'm ready. For some reason, Dan, you want a Wolverine story? Here we go. Let's go for it. And I was like, I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for it. Yeah. So I'd actually, I'd actually like mark it pretty high, to be honest. Okay. So, well, how how high would you go? I'd actually out of six, or should we go ten? Because Lady Deathstrike's on the cover. No, um, we'll, we'll keep it. We'll keep our standard rating. That's fair. Uh, out of six, I'd actually go five. I don't think it's fully there. Right. Like it's not like fully formed. There's still moments where it's kind of like mainly like Deathstrike. You don't really need Deathstrike's section, and there's a few moments that seem a little. Mm. But uh, and, uh, and I can't gi- I can't give Land six on that Laura art. So, um, <laughs> So there's some some, but they're only they are minor quibbles. It's not. Right. Per, I'd only give a perfect book six. So it's right. it's damn good, is what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it's actually got good. So yeah, we'll see which, if they can keep it up. But I I'm right there with you. I will also give Weapon X number one five out of six claws. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know one thing that was interesting because uh, a comment I think we both kind of made when we did the X Men Prime episode. Was was that made this kind of feel like it was gonna be like a X Men Suicide Squad, and yeah. I don't. I mean, obviously that could still kind of play out that way, but that doesn't seem like the way it's going right now. I'm really curious to see how this team connects to Weapon X, because obviously it's an X Men team, and it seems like Weapon X is gonna be the first big bad. But you don't normally name a book after the villain unless the book's about the villain. So I'm really curious to see, like, how they end up tying into that as a team, you know, as the book gets out of the first couple of story arcs. But um, but as far as this issue goes, I thought it was a great launch. Um, I would have liked to have seen just, you know, a couple of panels maybe of, of Domino and Warpath, but I'm with you. The only really grievous thing in the whole issue was the than just making Laura look exactly like Lady Deathstrike if she was in that pose, right? Um, mm. And so I wasn't super appreciative of that. But, um, and that's even, you know, recognizing that, he, you know, maybe he was trying to pull a scene from like her prostitution days or whatever. But even if that's the case, still just didn't dig it. Um, but other than that, I thought the book looked great. I thought it read pretty great. And, I'm excited to see what happens when our other characters come in and to kind of see, you know, where they go. Will this just be a typical, oh, here's some bad robots, let's, let's you know, mow them down and move on, or, you know, just interested to see how the story evolves. But, yeah, so it looks like we're both going to give it five out of six claws, so I think we would both recommend that our listeners uh, pick it up if you haven't already. 
So give it a shot. And however however you consume your comics, and I'll let you decide, you know, how that is. But um, I would definitely find a way to try to check it out if you're interested in these characters at all. So any closing thoughts on that book before we move on to the other one? Uh, just check it out. If you like Wolverine, this may be the book that uh, brings you back in. Right. I think. Yeah. And I think I think the comparison is spot on, especially if you're kind of just if you're tired of the old man part of old man Logan being the emphasis, then that this is a definitely a fresh fresh perspective. So cool. Well, we're gonna move next to X Men Blue, written by Colin Bunn, continuing his kind of corner of the X universe. Um, we have art by Jorge Molina. And Matteo Bifagni, colors by Matt Mia, and letters by VC Joe Caramagna. Um, the cover is by Art Adams and Peter Stegerwald. And I have the main cover. Is that the cover you have, Dan? Yep, as yet again, no more, no <laughs> variants here. Uh, my shop didn't even have any left when I got there, so I only had one choice. <laughs> I, I actually, I just, requ- I just request the normal cover because I feel like. Um, I never really see the variant covers. Like I just see them online. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty picture, but I'm just like, meh. Right. Because <laughs> variant covers can be more expensive for literally no reason. Right. Um, <laughs> so. so we have on, oh, wow. on the cover Art Adams with some classic X-Men posing, at least classic for Art Adams. And um, we have Jean Grey front and center. We have Beast hopping on his hands. Um and Cyclops in the background, and then Angel and Iceman in the very back, and they're running away from an explosion of some sort. And this reminded me a lot of just kind of those classic X-Men covers by Adams of, in the 80s. Um, you have the classic Adams where the, the leg from the knee down disappears on the running leg. But also, if you look at, like, the Heroes for Hope cover or... Some of the annuals Adams did where Wolverine was running in the front and Nightcrawler was hopping on his hands right behind him. It's kind of the same layout. So um, I feel like this is kind of just not an homage to a specific Art Adams cover, but Art Adams just saying, hey, this is what I've done really well with the X-Men in the past. Let's kind of do something like that again. And I I thought it worked pretty well. I love it. Love, love, love this cover. (laughs) Because the main reason is because the only blue you see on the cover is Iceman. And you know, they're not running away from a giant blue explosion <laughs> or something ridiculous. Um, True. <laughs> and if you're ever going to sell these new costumes, you get Adams to do it for you. Because True. on that X-Men Prime uh, cover, I was like, those costumes, I don't know. See them here, and I'm like, yep, okay, they are X-Men costumes. They are literal X-Men costumes yeah. to me now. And I just, I, I love it. I think the composition is great. Like you say, it's classic X-Men. I think the colors are so bright. I think it's probably the most eye-catching one out of the three we've looked at, for yeah, sure. And yeah, definitely. To the point where I'm not looking at the box with all the characters in, like I usually am, because I'm bored of looking <laughs> at the, the picture. I just, I generally love it. I just, I just love the way he does um, that classic, ridiculous, um, telepathic ability thing, where it's just like blancmange or custard flying out of a brain <laughs> um, it just it just looks it just looks mad but i i really like it and and he it's been a lot not many people can make angel's new wings look okay right and i think he does them very well and i think the color change is is, is needed because white 
suits it better than those weird red orangey flamey ones right uh, but i just i really i i loved the cover i just looked at yeah. the cover and i was like yeah okay i think i'm looking forward to uh x-men blue yeah and i looked i quite like the creative team as well so yeah it's a bonus i particularly loved his ice man i know he's just kind of hanging out in the background but there's something he's, about he's, his pose and the line work like on his face and stuff just looks really fantastic He's the best one there, and he's got the classic Iceman halos around his hands. Yeah, buddy. From like <laughs> late eight, late eighties onwards, which I thought was a nice touch. Oh, it's such a nice, nice one. And even his ice slide is is, is indented like an actual slide. Yeah. Like a tube, half tube, which it used to be, and I I, I appreciate that rather than just a you know slab of ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very there cool. You. So Dan, how does this book start? Well, this book starts with, well, apart from the character page, banter. This book starts with lots of banter as the, uh, what are we calling these kids? Are we just calling them the kid originals or the original five? What should we, what should well, we... and so well, I'll go with what Colin Bunn does, I guess, because in the back he writes kind of a little letter about what he's trying to do with this book, and he calls them the O5. So I guess that's the, O5. That's the official Marvel lingo for these guys. Exactly. So we've got o, the O5 traveling in the newly minted Blackbird. We've Iceman basically moaning, as he should do, um, <laughs> whinging about not getting there any, any further. And then there's just some fun back and forth. And I think my favorite line of the whole thing is Iceman where he's like, Gene, Scott's still acting like he's in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Which just made me, made me smile um, so much. And... Um, so they're, they're going to intercept something specifically, and it looks like Angel is the one that uh, spots out, as they're in the Mediterranean Sea, of course, right next to Italy, apparently, um, which is kind of weird because it's, <laughs> there was that disaster with the cruise liner oh. <laughs> in Oops. Italy. I was Oops. like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, um, so it's a really nice um, ship, uh, a ship that Angel wants himself. And like all good X-Men, they suicidally jump out of their black blackbird yeah. into big poses, land on the deck, and in a beautifully coloured pink hue, uh, Jean decides to side scan the whole ship to make sure that, you know, what's on board is on board. And sh- they walk around a bit until she says, Game Faces, he's in here. And who is in there? Jason. Well, I, to be honest, wasn't even sure this guy was still alive. It's a black Tom Cassidy. <laughs> I thought he was a tree person. The last time I oh yeah, him, like right from Generation tree. X, right? He turned into a tree guy. I really like his kind of um, medieval Batman costume he's wearing here. Um, <laughs> it's nice. And then also this panel of the X Men. And they've been kind of walking around the yacht, right? And kind of looking, figuring out what, what to do. When they bust into this, like, um, I guess, dining hall or whatever it is, that panel looks amazing by Molina. It really uh, The way, particularly the way Jean is, kind of the way she's floating, but still very dynamic. And you have Iceman coming in and Cyclops and Beast. Beast maybe looks a little too old, but I don't really fault that. Um it looks it looks very um Melina kind of has 
a little bit of kind of like um, anime influence in some of his, his posing and layouts and stuff, but in a good way, right? Like this, mm-hmm. um, just very, very dynamic action poses. Um, I, I do really like his Iceman. Like, I really like the sort of spiky hair because he's yeah, younger. And right. it, like, gives him a right, like, sort of definitive look. So... Yeah, so they decide it's typical X-Men. Um, well, maybe he's just, you know, here to do whatever. And they're like, nah, he's Black Tom. Get him. <laughs> so, uh, and I like the, the, you know, back to the banter about all, like, Iceman's like, remember, here's your code names. <laughs> and, um, I, I like the fact that they're working as a team where Gene's a distraction for Beast to punch him in the face with his, well, kick him in the face with his foot. Yeah. I thought it was quite... Quite a nice thing, and then obviously, as he's as he's um, put onto the ropes, Iceman discovers something very fairly large in the uh, dining hall, which ends up being, which a uh, completely redesigned man, and I cannot remember how he got his powers back because the last time I knew it was Colossus, but um, <laughs> Juggernaut, who says, "Who wants him?" as he smashes through the door, classic as he can, with uh, what could only be described as Venom tubes to his I, head. I got the same kind of uh, vibe from that. It's very, very Bane looking. Um, and, you know, they've always played fast and loose with his size. He is huge in this comic. I do like the, the fact that they did the life, is it the life field um, mouth and eyes? Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, yeah. Just well it's just teeth. Right. Well, those early X-Force ones where they fight him um, just, remind him, just reminds me of them. But he is ginormous. Um, and then Angel just takes out Black Tom because, you know, he's not really useful in a fight. Right. Um, but we've, we have Iceman trying to ice him up. We have Cyclops trying to beat him up. Um, and we have Gene trying to throw some stuff at him. But as always, he's unstoppable. And he also is really, really, really angry. And he's really, Cyclops. yeah, at Cyclops in particular. And, and which I thought this was a nice touch. Um, so he, he's pissed at Cyclops for killing his brother. He, uh, of course, obviously, we know it's not the same Cyclops, right? And they killed Professor X went during kind of a uh, Phoenix um, seizure, <laughs> I guess is the best way to kind of describe that. Um, but, but he sees a Cyclops. He knows his brother's dead, and he is going to get revenge. And... He's a juggernaut, so he's unstoppable, right? So his vengeance will come. Um, I like how Jean Grey tells uh, Black Tom to go to sweep. He's like, <laughs> he just kind of rolls up in the fetal position and starts snoring. It's very cute. Um, well, I, I quite like the the, the um, comment of, is this another one of those de-aging situations? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, also, I love the fact that just... Gone, sorry. No, I was gonna say right after that, that next page is is very like just dynamic and action packed, but also very hilarious of Juggernaut literally chasing Cyclops around the boat. Like yes. it's so funny but so perfect. I don't know, I really love this scene. It is it's just really fun and I like the fact that it's like angels just like just jump basically. Right. And um he falls off the boat and then Gene obviously is like, you don't think he can swim, do you? <laughs> um, which, of course, he smashes through the boat yes. and just um, 
grabs Paul Iceman by the face and chucks him. Right. Chucks him away. An angel flies <laughs> off to the rescue. And then, um, well, we can't beat, beat him physically, so what? Do we, how do we beat the juggernaut here? Well, it's um, people new to the book might not know this, but uh, in the last volume of All New X- X-Men, um, Hank has been dabbling in the mystic arts. I know it says at the early in the book with each individual name, they give like a little thing about him possibly doing it. So he basically opens a doorway to hell, I would assume it was, and sends him somewhere, which obviously Cyclops isn't very happy about. Um, but he was sent to Siberia via hell. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Very um, Dazzler, or not, not Dazzler, oh, forgive me. Very <laughs> magic-esque of kind of like, yeah. and we don't know, it's not called Wimbo, and it doesn't always really look like Wimbo, but that idea of of using the, this demonic oh, type place is kind of a, a means of transport. And so, yeah, very cool. But Cyclops is still pretty mad. Uh, he's more concerned about the methods. Beast is more concerned about the results. Which is an interesting argument and interesting that they used Beast to kind of be that side of the argument, I thought. Um, because it, it's a dichotomy that is mirrored in their older selves where Beast would argue with the method and Cyclops would only argue with the right. results. And so, so let me ask you that, Dan, because I thought about that too. Do you think you know, either consciously or subconsciously the, these two characters are both reacting against their older selves? Or do you I think, think they are. I think they're being purposely written in that sense. I think there's a clear plan. And with, with Cyclops being a member of the Champions as well now, right. he has a very different role uh, in the world, let alone on an X-team. But it doesn't stop the book from being hilarious as the on, on, onlookers decide to uh, attempt to understand who the hell is saving them by <laughs> thinking it's Kitty and then Scarlet Witch. <laughs> Of course not. She's the Scarlet Witch. It's, it's another favorite yes. panel of mine. And Jean kind of stitches the boat back together. And I thought their base of operations was an interesting choice. Now, where where did they go home to that night? Madripoor, which I did not expect. I did at not all. either. And that's the first of two, or at least a couple of twists, just before the book finishes. Yeah. Um, with the main story. Uh, Cyclops and Jean have a nice little chat. Um, Jean reaffirming him that, you know, they like him, like his weird straight man act and stuff. And then they have to go report to the boss, who happens to be their old arch nemesis and Columban's favorite character, it seems, in the X-Universe, Magneto, who is stood in front of a basic TV screen of, let's just say... Potential targets slash action we've already seen. Right. right. Um, so we have Sebastian Shaw. We saw Black Tom already. Uh, Emma Frost is on the bucket list. And so I'm guessing that's Monet. Is that what you got? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. I thought it was Monet. And then the rest is just pictures of the happy families doing yeah. things. And he looks sinister as balls. Oh, he looks great. <laughs> he looks great. Um, now, so... A little interesting play on this because the idea is that the world at large thinks Magneto is dead. I'm not real sure how because no one saw 
Sidewalk kill him besides Sidewalk. <laughs> so, so I don't know why anyone else would think he's dead, but apparently that's kind of the, the thing we're going for here is that he is is leading from kind of behind the scenes and helping the, the X-Men are kind of being his um, his arm, if you will. Um, I also thought it was interesting because I think this gives Bun a chance to kind of, first of all, just kind of continue on the path he's had Magneto on, right? But also, this is very reminiscent of a very successful era of X-Men comics where Magneto was the headmaster over the New Mutants. And now here he is again, kind of in charge of a group of young kids, right? Who are kind of out. The only the difference, of course, being in the New Mutants, he always forbid them to ever do anything, and they did it behind his back. Whereas now he's, a, he's kind of officially um, pointing them at certain missions, Um but yeah, no, this, I thought this was really cool. And I think that, you know, because we've had the little um, bubbles of who they are, um, the little intros to them. And I think the Magneto one, which is Master of Madison, the X-Men's oldest enemy, was quite, and the fact that that's the last thing that you read before the end to be continued is quite an interesting way to end it. Like it truly is, because the way he's drawn is quite sinister. And I do like his little um, diatribe with the whole, Threats against mutant kind, comrades who have lost their way, mutants who capitalize on the fears of the populace. I I, I was like, oh okay, we're really good. Like you're turning them in, they're turning them into a strike team, right? To you know, and he also and I do like. Oh, go on, sorry. Oh, so because you know we talked about an X Men Gold kind of a back to the basics attempt. I feel like this nails it a lot better, and, and he vocalizes it better too, where he talks about. He intentionally picked the earliest incarnation of Xavier's dream to try to help the dream become a reality. And that, to me, speaks so much more about kind of returning to the original ideals. Um, And you you talk about, you know, it's funny because X-Men Gold talked about we want to go back to the basics. We want to make the X-Men heroes again. And this book talks about it a little bit, but it just does it, right? It says we're going oh God, back yes. to the we're going back to the original dream. We're going back to the basics. We're being heroes. We don't have to say all that. We're just going to write a book that gives you that, right? And the difference in those two is a just makes for a huge difference in quality between the two books, I think. There's a there's a seismic change and shift in the way these two creative teams have dealt with the same remit. Right. Like Gold doesn't. Gold talks its game, but never well doesn't focalize like visualizes it, or doesn't really give you anything other than right. like pandering to a nostalgia. This just goes, boom! This is a team of characters that you do know who do fight together. Iceman's the funny one, but they're all kind of funny anyway. So what we'll <laughs> do is we'll just play the we'll we'll just play the team dynamics, but have Gene as the leader, which shifts it. Which does shift the dynamic completely, and we'll have homages to the past by having things like Juggernaut referencing the death of Xavier and such forth. And but at the same time, they give every they're giving the characters motivations. They've given Gina motivation. Cyclops and Beast has been already given like sort of a significant sort of confrontation, which will obviously play into the book. And then we have Magneto, like you say, basically. Is the only time we're going. All right, this is the remit of the book: is that we're going to try and have the, you know, the dream come true. But to do that, I need this 
team of mutants to be my strike team to not only defeat mutants but to save wayward friends which i think was a is an interesting distinction um between like something like um x uncanny x-force for example who just go out and murder <laughs> them and right. at the same time i also like the fact that it has to be or it seems to be public or publicized like they go out and do it in the public and it was nice to have the people thank them yeah as opposed to what happened in X-Men Gold. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, not, not I think everyone's that, a jerk. That's a, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's... In, like, I don't... I'm not... It's fine if you can have the mutants are hated and feared sort of thing, but this book feels different. This feels like a really... This feels like an X-Book. Yeah, which, it really did. Which... Which... Um, which everyone going on about X-Men Gold being like a palate cleanser this is this is the X book that you should be reading um, mm-hmm. for sure and it's not even finished yet we've only <laughs> just got onto this this is just the first story of the rest of the book right but we'll, we'll see how the rest of the book uh, fares to be fair yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a meanwhile after our to be continued and we have a guy running around in a green hoodie and somewhere in the uh the north, right? The northern wilderness, either Canada or like Minnesota or something like that. And, uh, we have a sheriff and some town folk with some rifles, which is always a great combination. Um, and there's some wild animal out in the woods butchering people and other animals. And they're going to go, they said either like get rid of it or just like make it leave, which I thought was a funny way to kind of look at that. Um, and we see our guy in the hoodie. He's kind of stalking them while they're stalking him. Um, and he reveals himself. And then a Wendigo or a Wendigo shows up. And he's freshly bloodied. A uh, very ugly version of the creature. And they shoot the guy in the hoodie in the head. Which does not bode well for him. But then we get a nice giant snicked. And we have a blonde guy with a beard who fights the Wendigo. And, um, you know, and then he runs off and leaves the sheriff there to try to figure out what's going on. And it isn't the end. <laughs> yes, not the end. So, um, at first I was like, huh? <laughs> because I've not read a lot of who I think this character is. In fact, I would say next to nothing. Um, do you, who do you, or who do you, who's your recollection on who this this character is going to be, Dan? Right, so it's it's funny that Art Adams um, is drawing <laughs> the covers because Art Adams helped design this character essentially. Right. Um, this character is the uh, the spoiler alert. Um, if you haven't read Ultimate X, uh, which you should read, it's an in, it's a it's a decent Jeff uh, Loeb story with Art Adams on art. Um, it's heavily in continuity of that universe though, so maybe you shouldn't read it. I <laughs> should just jump <laughs> in it. But um, basically, he is the actual physical, biological son of Ultimate Wolverine, and he is called Jimmy Hudson. And he has all the same powers, apart from, miraculously at one point, his bone claws get liquid metal on them don't ask me they just become metal and they're metal forever oh. so his skeleton so. is not metal like his his whole bones i don't know if his whole bones are oh, okay because uh, I've, I've, I've 
it was a weird moment. Like they were bone claws, and all of a sudden, it um, like liquidy metal came over them all, and oh. the whole thing is just like I think his claws are definitely metal for sure. Right. And I imagine the rest of him is metal because you know you have to have that. Like, he's not actually Wolverine. Yeah. Um, so basically, he is displaced because there's no way he can be anything other than the ultimate from the ultimate universe. Right. So he, um, he so came over on the, the same subway from Secret Wars that, that Old Man Logan and Miles came over on. <laughs> exactly. He, man- he managed to fall through the cracks as well, which is just, which is interesting because obviously Old Man X-Men had some really interesting retakes on a lot of different characters. And I think maybe like Ultimate Kitty Pride may have been a more interesting choice or just right. Laura would have been a better choice. Right, right. But, yeah. So we have, we have, uh, who I call Ultimate Wolverine Jr. here. And um, nothing against that, right? But Laura, as you mentioned, is conspicuously absent from pretty much all of the Resurrection books besides her own title getting kind of a, a slight change in tone. Um, and And the thing about with this team is, yes, it's X-Men Blue, but this is a continuation in sorts or a redirect or whatever of all new X-Men. And she kind of already served, and I thought pretty well, served the purpose of kind of the Wolverine member of that X-Team. And I'm I'm curious why... Because the end of that book, right, that volume with Hopeless, they were having the X-Men dance party and then it just ends, right? And then we go to X-Men Prime and... There's never any like, oh, we got to ditch Laura. So I don't really know why why they don't involve her in this mission, just from a, a story standpoint, like why the characters don't. Because Angel, I mean, I know their, their relationship has been kind of tenuous the last few um, months of issues, but as far as I know, they're still dating. And um, I don't know. It, it, just, it seemed really weird that I know she's not one of the O five, but her omission seems odd. And then just to bring in a different Wolverine analog to the team. Um, like I said, nothing against this character. I really don't know anything about him. I think he showed up for a little bit in some event, and that's the only time I've ever read him. Um, I don't remember what that was. If it was Battle of the Atom or Secret Wars, I can't remember. But... um. Yeah, so I'm sure he'll be fine. It was just an odd choice to me. Cause he's just—he's basically just Wolverine Light, right? And, like, and it's just kind of like give Laura some room. Maybe Jean doesn't let more than one woman on the um, team. Maybe. Maybe it's Jean's fault. Yeah. Um, but because like obviously Kid Apocalypse and um, Edie are not there either, so they just right. magically vanished. Um. Mm. I know that with different creative teams, you people are given different, you know, pick different things to do or given different missions. It just feels weird that she's been taken off the board. I know in in story wise, she's like isolated on a on an island now or something with like a plague, but um, it just <laughs> feels odd. It just feels odd that she's been taken off where she should be. She's on the cover of X Men Prime. She, sh- I feel like she should be front and center as the Wolverine. I feel like they've they've robbed her of that title by bringing old man Logan into the normal universe. Right. And putting him um, on two teams. Right. <laughs> and she's on zero. Yeah. Cause like he's on, no, he's in, he's in three teams. If you think about it, he's in astonishing as well. Oh, right. Uh, as right, Weapon right. X and, yeah. So it's kind of like, okay. Cause it would it'd been lovely if she was in astonishing because 
uh, X twenty three has a relationship with Gambit as well, who's on that team. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. that would have been a nice touch, but it seems like she's not allowed to be. I'd rather them just resurrect Logan and just have him on every team like he was before he died, <laughs> than just like. Um, because I want her to be Wolverine, the Wolverine of the of 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 our Marvel universe. I don't yes. want her to be sort of just. Like like Sam has kind of happened with Captain America, and obviously, uh, recent issues means he may not be. <sighs> but he was kind of he kind of like been slid away as well. So sort of like he's in. I suppose he's in some events, but he's kind of like been slid slightly away because Steve's back. But I suppose Steve's evil now, so yeah, that changes things. I do like the but way they know, address I, that though. At least they had a story reason to. Whether that's where he wanted to go or not, at least he was able to come up with something to kind of say. Because I think if, if you haven't read the last issue of, of or not last, I don't think it's ending, or maybe it is, I don't know. But anyway, the most recent issue of Sam Wilson, um, you know, he talks about how Cap kind of regaining his youth made it that much harder, right? And I thought that was an interesting point that he actually kind of addressed that. Um, whereas here, we don't really get that. We She just kind of gets shuffled away to her own little corner, which is super unfortunate. But um, Hopefully she might just pop up in in the other books. Maybe after this storyline, maybe she's allowed, like, maybe Taylor takes the reins off her, or maybe they give her credit, like, put her in the other books. Because even because even in all new X Men, she sort of like disappears for ages. She's not in it right. all the time. Yeah, that's true. Because so, it just feels like she's being like sort of erased slightly from the X universe. When really, I feel like she should be front and center, set there, sort of being the Wolverine. Yeah. But anyway, there are more things to there are more things to come with X Men Blue because we're still this book still doesn't want to finish as opposed to a history lesson we get a look into our fu- look into our future yeah and we have the x team encountering mr snick yeah and then we have Cham- chamber looking at let's just say a couple of dead members in jubilee of his um, generation x which is just and his um who the hell are you wankers is just a great line yeah um and then I be- yeah exactly and i believe like the last one that rematch panel is the is that the people from Def, uh, Battle of the Atom? Yes. Like the future X-Men? Yep, that's the, the X-Men of the future. And, and, my mo- and the most intriguing panel to me is the very final one, which is, to me, my X-Men, said yeah. by none other than Charles, I'm dead still, yeah. Xavier. Dead and his brain just got burned up, right? <laughs> if you're even yeah, reading like Uncanny full on, Avengers. Yeah, full-on dead now. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. But what did you think of the art, Mr. Dan? I really liked it. I thought I loved um, it. Yeah, it's just it's really bright and and when it was when it didn't need to and when it didn't need to be bright when the story dictated it should be a little darker it went darker for it. Yeah. Um, and I thought it was quite versatile and and just fun. It the art was as fun as the script. Like the the visual cues on the the characters were quite fun. I think each each character has a quite a dynamic look about them. I do agree that sometimes Beast looks a little too old. Yeah. Um, to be around the rest of them, but you know, it could just be the fact that he's like a gorilla man. True. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like so. the kid in eighth grade that was shaving, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you never know. But I, I think it looks 
looks great. I think the book visually has a great identity, and if it keeps up with that kind of energy, I think it's going to be a great read from now on. Yeah, and I, I think agree. Bun just, just knocks it out of the park. Like, he really knows these characters. Oh. Or at least these yeah. versions of this character. Yeah, I agree. So. But it's, it's a great book. I am... Um, I'm going to say something a little bit shocking if you know the history of this podcast. I really enjoyed Molina's design and the way he approaches drawing Jean. Like she just kind of looks like, I don't know, like someone's kid sister running around leading the X-Men, and I thought that was great. Um, there's just something about her not being, and maybe it's the haircut or, or the, the, the poses he puts her in, but something about her not being like, Oh, I'm Jean. I'm the ultimate culmination of every X-Man's desire. Like, she's just Jean, you know, right? And so I really, I don't know, something about that just just made me smile. Just the way he decided to tackle the character from a visual standpoint, I thought was uh, pretty interesting. And all all the characters look just fantastic. Um, I really like the uniforms. At first I didn't like them, and now I'm quite enamored by them. Right. I think they're work really well and they, and they have like a visual um cues that tie each other together like the x's on the booties and stuff like that i think <laughs> they look like a team they look like a team right. but they also look individual which i think is and each one sort of homages some one of their old costumes which i thought was a nice touch as well so yeah i thought you know all good yeah they are the x gloves or the x hand straps that they all get that's kind of their, their unifying element, or one of them. Um, but no, I I actually would, would border or dare to say that I loved this issue. I thought it was really fantastic. Just enjoyed the heck out of it. Um, what would you like to grade X Men Blue number one? Oh, I want to give it. I want to give it. Uh, I, yeah, I want to give it. Uh. Screw it, I'm going to give it six. I'm literally going to give it six out of six <laughs> because this is X-Men I want to read and it's done in a great way and it's such a great sort of jumping on point for for new readers as well. I don't think new readers would ever get lost because it no. gives you enough information to like push you forward. It's so bright and it and it's it's, it's so clever in the way it looks and, it, and it's fun. It's just it's everything X-Men Gold is advertising itself to be. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Yes, and it works so well, and and the twist at the end, like the the, the whole Magneto and the Matripoor stuff, twist is great, and even like I might knock a few points off because the Wolverine story is kind of like just there. It's it's neither sort of good nor bad. It just exists, right. <laughs> basically. Yeah, but the, but the but the to come page is so intriguing. Like I really am intrigued on how these characters are going to interact with whatever and their futures, and it, it makes it made me happy and excited to read the next book. Which, to be frank, Weapon X and this are the only two. You know, uh, let's hope the rest do as well. Right. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah, week two was definitely better than week one by by a long shot. But you know, also. I mean, and just in my humble opinion, uh, Greg Park and Colin Bunn can both write circles around Guggenheim. So um, <laughs> <laughs> some, some of it's yes. just maybe my, my preferences or my my taste. But yeah, so I'm I'm not going to quite give this six out of six claws, but I was close. But it's a very strong five out of six claws for me. Um, I am just 
I as I am as excited about this X Men book as I have been about an X book in a long time. And if this if this can kind of redirect and you know even Colin Bunn's Uncanny, which I liked a lot, like this just has more energy to it, right? And so I'm yeah. just I'm super stoked to see where this goes and I think he just Bun just knows or understands the X Men, right? And he should have been writing the flagship title. If you well, know what I mean? Not yeah. the guy from, <laughs> you know, not the other dude. Right. Um, <laughs> it, I know that's really un, it's really unfair, but it just feels like this should be the flagship title. And I I give it such high marks because I kind of have more of an affinity with these characters, if you know what I mean, than. Like, I wasn't born when the original five came out, but, like, through just general reading them, I generally do like Beast, and I'm crazy because I do like Cyclops, and Iceman's one of my favourite characters, and, yes, Gene may not be, but if he can write a decent Gene, then he's won the battle. Yeah, right? In my eyes. Yeah. He's, he's... won the battle. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, this is, this is, this is X-Men I want, so yeah. it's all good. Very good, very good. Well, Dan, thank you so much for coming back on again. Um, I've really enjoyed these last several episodes um, having you on and just talking about resurrection, and we will continue to try to make that work. Um, why don't you give give all your information for everybody? What, what's your Twitter? What do you got going on? Um, so my Twitter is at gizmo151183. Um, you always... Welcome to send X-Men things to me, so <laughs> do that. Um, and obviously I'm on the Inner Comics Podcast, which the easiest way to get is, is by just putting Inner Comic Podcast into Google and everything will just be there. You can find us on SoundCloud, you can find us on iTunes by just typing in. Um, and we're on tw- Twitter, so just search us on Twitter as well. And that's basically it. We're all, yeah, I, I, can't, I can't push this good as my co-hosts can so just go listen <laughs> i'll appreciate it. listen you don't have to give us any money on our patreon or anything just go go and listen it's fine yeah and we we were we were we may not talk x-men but we'll talk lots of other things so lots of good stuff good stuff uh, great show that i love listening to and yeah i've really enjoyed getting to know you guys and getting to be friends with you guys so so definitely go give them your support if you're not already um as usual for the podcast that goes snicked uh, you can like the facebook page if you so choose actually had a couple of new likes first in a while <laughs> kind of thought the the facebook was going the way of you know whatever the opposite of twitter which things seem to be very active but um speaking of twitter our twitter is at snickcast and of course if you want show notes or to to find the podcast via the old-fashioned web page that is snickcast.podbean.com and any just closing general thoughts, Dan, before we sign off? Just remember that obviously the X Men are now back. Uh, it took it took second week, but right. we're now we're, we're there now. So <laughs> yep, I agree. I agree. So um, well, thanks again, Dan, for coming on, and thank you everyone for giving us a listen. Um. I don't know what will be next. Uh, all my episodes are kind of getting jumbled and out of order. But, oh, you know, something will be next. We'll keep plugging along. Keep keep the snicked up. So, with that in mind, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. And snacked. <laughs>